listening to The Chartographers. Hello, everybody! You are listening to The Chartographers. This is a music-loving podcast for music-loving people. We take every single album by particular artists and we rank it from worst to first. It's a thing that we do and we are so happy to do it, especially... Right now, uh, this is our 41st artist that we've ever ranked discography-wise, which is a crazy thing. And when it comes to expansive and fascinating and challenging discographies, I can't think of any other artist that we've wanted to dig into more than this week when we are talking about the one, the only, the person who to this day is still probably known as Dion Warwick's best friend. That's right, guys. We're talking about Stevie Wonder. Uh, little Stevie, no wonder if you're nasty. So, uh, Stevie number, uh, Stevie number, and we're gonna rank that. Whoa, slow down. Stevie there. nasty. Stevie nasty. Uh, so, uh, little Stevie Wonder, as he used to be known, uh, child prodigy, born blind in Michigan, and basically uh, one of the things when you're growing up blind, uh, he wound up finding music as an escape, very much so, so much so that he was eventually uh, brought in front of uh, Barry Gordy of Motown Records, and like, oh my God, this kid can do everything because he's learning how to play keyboards, he's learning how to play drums, he's learning to do all these things. Uh, but the biggest thing is that he's a young, pint-sized genius. What do you do with them? Initially, they just kind of made him do tribute albums to Ray Charles, who was very much a big inspiration for him. Uh, he had a number one hit with a live recording of him doing fingertips, which is him with enthusiasm wailing on the harmonica. And let's make this known. That I would argue there was never anyone better who ever played a harmonica than Stevie Wonder. Agreed. I yeah. think that just goes without saying. But the thing is that, like, the weird thing, and not a lot of people know, is that Motown didn't know what to do with him for years. They put out surf albums? He did a freaking surf album. Not a lot of people know that. Before Stevie Wonder, still a kid, was beginning to learn his craft, learning what it meant to be a producer as well as a songwriter, and eventually uh, negotiating himself into his artistic freedom. And holy moly, the stuff that happened after that, it is a journey. We are going to talk about the albums today, and I'm very excited about it. But who's going to be talking about and ranking these wonderful albums here on the Chartographers, your favorite podcast, let me tell you. First off, uh, there's me. I'm Evan Soddy. You might know me as uh, the music interviews editor over at Pop Matters. You probably know me as a writer for other places, but I hope that you know me as the host of this podcast because I love this podcast so lovely and dearly. And if you know anything about this podcast, then you know the person sitting next to me. Taryn O'Reilly, the co-creator <laughs> of the you podcast. Didn't a, you didn't have a... A uh, quippy little... Quippy, like, I'm not the Dion Warwick to your Stevie Wonder? Or I'm Sarita not... Sarita Wright? I'm am I the Barry Gordy <laughs> to your... Oh, yeah, the Sarita Wright. That's yeah, a that's, that's a much better one, yes. Hi, Sarita, how are you doing? I'm fantastic. Yeah. Uh, this was such a fun week. Um, it's just, it's all so dense. Mm -hmm. Like... I could have easily had another, like, two weeks with this music, and I'm sure I would still be finding surprises. Right. So, and also because we literally just came off Tom Petty. Uh, that was the last episode we recorded before this one. And that was Tom Petty just had an excess of songs. And here, we didn't run into that problem so much as so, that so many of the songs are six long. and a half minutes six, long. Exactly. Yeah. These epic, epic-length things. 
But the thing is, Taryn, we've had a wonderful tradition of this podcast of bringing in members of your wonderful musical family in to help out with everything, and we are so excited to continue that tradition today. We've been wanting her for some time, and she is now here. She's a graphic designer, she's a singer-songwriter, and she wants everyone to know she's an amazing new mom as well. That's right. Nia O'Reilly Amendez is here in studio. Nia! Hello! My arms are in the air. Yeah! (laughs) How are you doing? I'm good. I'm excited to be here. This was quite an undertaking. Yes. Especially, I'm on maternity leave right now, so I have had, like, no deadlines or (laughs) projects, and this was, like, a really intense deadline and project. Yeah. Yeah. But in a great way. But you were also someone, I mean, the whole reason that you were on this one is because you expressed a great love of Stevie Wonder so much throughout your life, right? For you as a singer-songwriter, too, did you, like, draw immediate inspiration, or did he inspire certain things for you, or...? Um, I wouldn't say that necessarily, like, lyrically, he and I have similar... We're not that similar in how we write songs. But his style, I mean, it's all over the map. I think it is very influential. My sister plays bass, so she, like, definitely... My sister was in a band with me for a long time, and she definitely drew inspiration from him. So you could say that he did influence our music. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, he's just one of the best musicians ever, and crazy that he's still alive and you can still see him mm-hmm. i mean of course there's some controversy about <laughs> what he has done but right mostly great yeah I, well it's just funny because i this week because we've done so many artists this season that recently died <laughs> you know it's like tom petty george michael yeah you know a, even like a couple seasons ago when we were doing prince and michael it was like so this whole week i kept thinking like oh man he did He's not dead. Oh, right. He's not dead. He's still alive. He's still with us and could easily put out another album at any point. Yeah. Well, that's a funny thing about musicians that are are not dead, (laughs) but who you stop paying attention to musically for maybe valid reasons. (laughs) And that's actually a great point, too, because we he has over i think 25 albums yeah. in his life we are not going to be ranking 25 albums here that's the biggest thing it's too many exactly so we're basically we wanted a very clean break off so we're essentially doing a 20 year span uh basically we're going from 1970 all the way to 1987 cuz he didn't put out any other albums after that in uh, the 80s it's just a very fine period of when he started coming into his artistic fore and basically essentially when he kind of was starting to fall out of it to a degree and it's it's interesting too cuz this is definitely i think Because we've done eras of artists before. Obviously, like, Prince has 35 albums. We couldn't do that. But um, I think this is definitely the first time we've done an artist and cut out, like, a pretty commercially significant part of his career. Mm -hmm. Because he had all those Motown years. He had big, iconic hits. But I do also kind of like where we're starting, um, where we've decided to do the cutoff with Sign Sealed Delivered because that title track is actually the first song he produced by himself so it's like it's a good starting point for him as a producer and as a you know self-contained musician yeah yeah and when you started when you're a kid it's like does that count or is that like kind of a separate career like you wouldn't put the jackson five and michael or maybe you did but we did we did not no 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 yeah Yeah. exactly because there's such different sounds Yeah. yeah 
And also, like, again, also, I just didn't want to listen to that Surf album again. I really didn't, guys. It was Again? Uh, yeah. Was, when did you listen to it I mean, the first I listen, time? I listened to it a little bit more. <laughs> I didn't either. Uh, for, just kind of like when I was periodically just kind of in between weeks, and I just kind of like, oh, oh yeah, let me like give a, a oh, wow, this isn't good. So and, bad. <laughs> uh, well, not as bad as some of the other songs that we'll be talking about today during our wonderful, wonderful episode. But, oh, my God, there's so much TV <laughs> to get through. Here's what we're doing. We're starting with 1970s. So the albums we are going to be ranking are 1970. 70s uh, Motown soul pop wonder that is signed, sealed, and delivered. There is his very first social commentary album, which was Where I'm Coming From in 1971. There's the little bit grittier, low-down keyboard album, Music of My Mind, from 1972. There's what many consider his first commercial breakthrough in the form of Talking Book in 1972. There is his politicized, fantastical, almost entirely self-created Inner Visions from 1973. There's his little bit more subdued, kind of romantic, almost fulfilling that's his first finale from 1974. There is the two-album bonus EP magnum opus that is Songs on the Key of Life from 1976. There is the uh, two-disc soundtrack to a documentary that never got released called Stevie Wonder's Journey Through the Secret Life of Plants. We'll probably just be calling it Journey Through the Secret Life of Plants. Or just Secret, Secret Life, Life of Plants. Or just Plants, really. Let's plants, be real. Yeah. I'll know what you're talking Secret. about. <laughs> <laughs> just choose one of the words yeah, each time exactly the and uh, the other thing is that we're going to be doing his 1980 pop comeback which was Hotter Than July uh, his Oscar winning soundtrack to a Gene Wilder directed film called The Woman in Red in 1984 there's his first experiment with 80s synthesizers in the form of In Circle Square in 1985 and his second experiment with 1980 synthesizers in the form of 1987's characters In Square Circle In Square Circle oh goodness it's I've, a bad time I know. It's a, listen, <laughs> it is. Yes. You know, we're gonna rank him in order. I think we'll be talking you know about what that else one pretty soon. Bad title. What? Fulfilling this is first finale. <laughs> I can never remember it. I'm like, it's the it's the F one. <laughs> it's got an apostrophe in it. You know, one of his three Grammy wins for album of the year. Uh, yeah. That one. Exactly. Which, like, yeah. when you compare it to the other Grammy wins. Spoiler alert, doesn't make any sense, but we'll, we'll get, get there. there. We'll, we'll get, get there. there, exactly. So anyway, we got 12 albums that we're talking about. We're really excited about it, and Nia, you were here, you're in studio. I'm here. We're great, and the thing is, as you know, we're going to talk about these albums, we're going to rank them, we're going to debate those rankings, we're going to team up and outvote, and it's going to be a fun time. I'm excited about it. But most importantly, you are a guest, you are in the hot seat, you get the honorable duty, Nia O'Reilly Amendes. Yes. What? what? Would you nominate <laughs> as talking. number 12? <laughs> She's taking over the podcast. What would I nominate? Yes. I'm so solid on this, but we'll see how you feel. The Woman in Red soundtrack is so bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so bad. Oh. I, I knew that I just called to say I love you was bad, because that's like infamously bad. Right? And yeah. one of his biggest songs Not of just all time. The, the, his longest number one. Really? Like his literally his most commercially successful song but is I just be called to say I love you. Like music had gotten worse. Right. Right? Yeah. As I like to say on this uh, on this podcast, especially when we're talking about artists that started in the 70s yeah. is unfortunately the 80s happened to everyone. Yeah. And that's really that's really that is so strong in such strong effect here cuz like yeah. 1980, Hotter Than July, we'll get to it. There's some solid shit on there. He's still grooving. He's still working it. I love Once that you get, it's it's a full four years to Woman in Red, and the technology had changed a lot 
and it's not doing him any favors. I mean, the technology is what, like, I feel like, first of all, did anyone watch it? I did not. I no, no, no. We often, we often terrible. do, but we did. Yeah, Gene yeah. Wilder as a director isn't really particularly well known. I mean, has anyone else seen Sherlock Holmes' Smarter Brother or whatever that was called? No. Like, yeah, I was, So it's yeah. Gene Wilder, I read the, like, summary. It's Gene Wilder, like, falls in love with some woman who, who's wearing red. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great. <It's> very rich. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is married and yeah. blah 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 but the soundtrack is so bad it's so bad it has tons of Dionne Warwick on it mm-hmm. it has I just called to say I love you so everybody knows that song which is a terrible song it's like a it's kind of like a song that you would learn like in kindergarten to learn like the different months of the year yeah. you know <laughs> like it's one of those songs that's like I you know there's this time of year and I called you and then I I was listening to the lyrics like more intensely this time than ever before, and I was like, "This is so much worse than I thought." Mm-hmm. Like, it taught it mentions like New Year's Day, it mentions Halloween, and I was like, "This style of song, I hate so oh, much." Oh, but when the vocoder comes in around the four minute mark, it's so bad. But it's not the worst song on this album. Oh, no, no. There is a special one on there, which is, uh, and we talked about it before, I just couldn't believe I never realized it. The closing track, Don't Drive Drunk. And you know, here's the thing. We can all get behind the sentiment that people shouldn't drive drunk. I think that's, you know, fair to say. When you have... Karen's shaking his head, disagreeing. No, no, no. He loves that song so much. I am just so (laughs) upset that it even exists. Yeah. I, the, uh... The thing about this song is that not, I mean, yes, we can all get behind the message. However, he literally is like, there's a dude at a bar and he tries to order one more for the road. And the bartender's like, no, no. you're drunk. And he's like, I can handle it. And then he drives anyway and he dies. And then, and then the chorus comes around and it's just like, don't drive drunk. Don't drive drunk. Don't drive drunk. Mothers against drunk driving are mad. Yeah. Yeah. Just them though. So like, is it? A PSA? Like, did you did anyone find out how oh. this plays a role in the movie? Like, what? <laughs> I know that like the eighties were like a cool time for being against substance abuse, you know, yeah. like the mm. dare shirt. Sure right. yeah. yeah. like, this, you know, drinking is bad. But it's that song is so. Actually, I was listening to it and it came on, and I was like, <laughs> did this switch to a different album? Like, there's no way they end this album. And I know it's a soundtrack, so it's a little different. But, like, with this song. But they yep. do. They do. Yeah. It's The it's only cool. other thing I want to say about it is that I talked about when I was going through... Initially, Terry and I were talking, I talked about, like, there was a sharp drop-off in terms of quality for Stevie Ward. But the biggest thing about the 80s is that this is a guy who enmeshed himself in th- synthesizers and tones and have that uh, that one particular style of one... Not clavicle, you know, the one I'm thinking or about. Clavinet. Clavin- Clavin- not no, clavinet. Think- or yes, no, I think it is a clavinet. Oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. clavinet's the one that's like that's that bass on yeah, superstition. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. but he, that very specific keyboard style he developed, and so many people drew inspiration for him. But I really feel like the '80s because it was so much easier. Everything was digital. I feel like he had a lot more access to these things. But it become, becomes that fine line between crafted by an artist and just processed by a machine. Yeah. And he, as his voice is still in full form, but on these last three albums, I don't think he ever really overcomes it. You know. And it's also programmed. Yes. Like, the part of what... Versus composed. Part of the reason that he made synthesizers work and honestly helped bring them to the forefront and to, like, general audiences was because he was still (laughs) using, 
live drummers. He was still using incredible guitarists, and so yeah. these synths sounded organic. Yeah, you know, it they wasn't were playing every instrument exactly. Whereas, like in the '80s, it's like it's definitely a drum machine because it was always a drum machine, and like probably even the synths sometimes sound like he came up <laughs> with a riff. And then programmed it so it would just loop for the whole song, you know? Right. Like, it really, it loses any sense of of personal, not personality, but, like, that, that the human, human element. element. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it makes me wonder, like, when you're someone like Stevie Wonder, and I know that there's trends, and that's why you say, like, then the 80s happened. Like, there are trends, and everybody fell into it to an extent. And, but, like, how do you not know? Like, right. how do you not... Say, like, I'm a fantastic drummer, but I'm not going to play the drums. I'm going to, like, ding, 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 ding. Like, right. it's Oh, the only person who could pull that off was Prince. And part of the reason that he could program drums so well is because he was a drummer and he knew how to do that. But yeah. Stevie was a drummer, too. He drummed on so many of his own albums. And it's just like, dude, I, he doesn't have that same verb. The only last thing I'll say about it, because personally, I, I'm perfectly okay with throwing the woman in red at the very bottom of our list. Yeah. The only thing I say, he won the Oscar for Best Original Song for it, which blows my mind given what he was up against, including uh, Footloose by Kenny Loggins. Oh. Uh, let's hear it for the boy off oh. of uh, that one soundtrack. The same, uh, the same exactly. Off of uh, and it? also, yeah. yeah. Oh, and also um, uh, Ghostbusters by Ray Parker Jr. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. And the, and, no, and uh, freaking, was it Flashdance? No, it wasn't Flashdance. No, there was a. It was another like, like iconic, iconic yeah. like title track from a movie song. But the things that like, I found so interesting, and I couldn't believe Roy uh, Ray Parker Jr., who did the Ghostbusters theme song, mm -hmm. he played guitar on one of my favorite songs of his, which is uh, Maybe Your Baby, way the way back then. He does that guitar solo, that solo that. Yeah, like that one that he does, and it's just like that's kind of cool that they met up and then later met up again during the Oscars. But whatever, Against he gets a special award, which is uh, the woman in red going number twelve on our ranking is Stevie Wonder albums. Okay, that's done. That's great. Yes. Taryn, yes, number eleven. Um, I mean, <laughs> we have so many options. <laughs> um, so it's between yeah, it's between like three for me, but I think I have to go with. Secret Life of Plants. Ah, okay. It's, it's, it's just, there are some songs on there that I like, such as... Um, see the Star? Uh, yeah, no, not re even really, though. Oh, really? Okay. No, um... Oh, fuck, what's it called? S-A-A Lola. Oh, I mean, I do, I don't hate that one. <laughs> I actually love that, that one. Yeah. That one's pretty fun. No, um, Outside My Window. Mm. I actually really dig that. I like the harmonies on it. I think it's that like the, childlike melody. Yeah, that kinda, yeah, and I think that that's a, a part where like it's early enough in the career that the drum machine kind of is like novel. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Because he he like works with it, and it's still like a it's not quite a ballad, but uh -huh. it's heading in that direction. Yeah, but that's like honestly really, and I like Power Flower. But yeah. it's there's yeah. it, there's just not a ton. It's I mean it's a it's a soundtrack for a documentary, and so there's a lot of just like the, ambient the Earth BS creation. It's great. So I was like bow, listening bow. to it while doing you know mom stuff, and then I was like, this is making me feel insane. <laughs> <laughs> I have to turn this off and right. do this again later. Yeah. <laughs> because it's it is really dramatic. It's like 
what's that? There's like the the planets. This is like more. There's a classical yes. pieces oh, of the different yes. planets, yes. right? And I we played them in band, so it makes me think of oh. like a weird electro version of that. Yes. But like once you but know, less it, good. you know, I would be interested to see maybe how it worked with the documentary, but like as on its own, it's pretty terrible. But I thought it was more terrible than it was. Like, I thought it was, like, the worst. But there were a few moments where I was like, okay, this isn't the worst. And right. it did come and out. And for me, like, I kind of went in with the perception that this is just lauded as, like, one of its worst albums ever. Yeah. And the thing is that listening is bloated. It's not great. It's more of, it's for people who are, like, hardcores only, really, not casual fans. But there's a couple things on there that I enjoyed. Honestly, Voyage to India, the sitar workout that he does there, he gets a really nice kind of trance state going on with that one there. Like, I fell into it. It's very typical, but, like, I enjoy it. I'm right. not going to lie. The thing is, like, if you want a song like that, though, mm-hmm. like, find some classical Indian music mm-hmm. and yeah. find some, like, actual, like, real good sitar tabla, like, work and not, like, synthesized sitar. <laughs> yeah. That opens with two minutes of just, like synthy blurbling nonsense yeah. and then finally gets to like kind of like a nice jam but it's yeah. it's pretty typical I, like yeah i think that like on the one hand so in context the fact that it came out after songs of the key of life must have been just heartbreaking to <laughs> yes. everyone yeah especially but, after the three-year wait yeah Right. And the thing is that, like, apparently, like, they really didn't know what to do with it either, the label. So, like, I believe it's Send One Your Love. Send On Your Love, that was uh, went to number four because people were just so excited for another Stevie project but the album, like, the last album went diamond. You know, it sold over 10 million copies. This one did not barely even do that. And so Stevie blamed the label, but, like, the label's like, how are we supposed to promote a two-disc largely instrumental soundtrack for a documentary that no one has seen? Like, come on, Stevie, work with us yeah. here a little bit. It's one of the things where, like, there because I was so surprised by a couple moments on here, I like, if it ends up at number 11, that's fine, but for me, like, like, in square circle is like gotta be in the conversation at this point too. Characters be- also. Yeah, I mean those are the three yeah. that I was choosing between. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm I'm happy to let's talk about those those last two. And, and the land of la la. I tried so like I have in square circle on vinyl. You do, but. It was one of those, like, oh, they have a Stevie record yeah. and it's used and it's two ninety nine. Why not? And I was like, of course I'll buy it. And then I was like, oh, fuck, no. This is like <laughs> so bad. But I feel like I've listened to it, like, more than I should have. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah for yeah. that reason. I mean, it's got, like, I feel like Overjoyed is so close. Yes. Yes. You know? Yes. It's, like, almost touching on, mm-hmm. it's almost touching on the, like, type of balladry that worked so well for him early on. It yes. doesn't quite get there. No. And it and then it's just sitting in this pile of garbage. Pile of yeah. garbage. Like even part-time lover is his, like his yes. second to like, last number 1. Probably yeah. I mean it's easily the best thing on here. Yes. But and it's, it's also it's just a it's like a wham song. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not it, it's it's definitely like Stevie using an 80s template instead of a, like, fantastic Stevie song. And I'm, like, a, uh, one of my favorite things is, is first tracks. 
Like, how a band chooses a first track. How you introduce everything. Yes, it's yeah. such a big deal. It's so cool. And, like, you put this on, and Part-Time Lover is the first track. And, I, again, like, I can't help but just imagine, like, our parents, like, who were <laughs> in high school during, like, the height of his music coming out, and it was, like, so important. And then you put that on, and you're like, no. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. But no. Yeah. But why? And, but, yeah. and Characters doesn't do a lot better, because You Will Know is an interesting opener it's kind of like this mid-tempo kind of weirdish kind of thing which is like okay I, it, characters i feel like he after kind of the maximalist synth sounds of in square circle characters i feel like he reigns it in just a little bit not enough where it's like good but like just a little bit like he has a not terrible michael jackson song on here like okay you know like i'm not gonna i was surprised to learn it this week and then i'm like oh that's why it's relegated to history because it's just kind of this uh it right it's i mean it's a Michael Jackson album or album track Basically, like it's not yeah that would be like track nine that everyone forgets about on an MJ album it's not yeah, it's, yeah. especially because he comes in and you're like oh MJ's getting it huh? um <laughs> and then and then Stevie comes in and is trying to do like his best MJ and it just like it's like kind of cringy yeah it's weird I mean okay Things I think about this album. First of all, <laughs> I I know that you know that album art is very important to me. Yes. This is the creepiest <laughs> album art. Oh my god. He's like holding the mask to the side. First of all, like, so I'm a graphic designer. Fonts are very important to me. There is like a thing that happened in the 90s where fonts got very, like, I don't know how to say this besides just doing a motion that you can't see. Uh, Radical. Like, yeah, like either really grungy or like scripty and like, yeah, like sideways and like curly quirky cues. yeah <laughs> and this like does the curly cue thing and it just makes me cringe so hard just looking at the font but also it's him and a bunch of rubber masks i want to say maybe they're clay I think they're porcelain yeah. i don't know it's really creepy and i he's blind so like does he know that's my other thing too is that like evan evan disparaged a couple of the album covers this week too and i was like i mean but he he can't really have a hand in them yeah if anything he can give them like a basic concept he can't even say like make it blue right yeah he doesn't know what blue is right like well (laughs) i mean it's true but the the other thing is like this is called characters he's written songs from the perspective of other people before he's written like tales of like love and loss and woe and like you know you know women going through incredible things and this is an album where it's just like so you call it characters and then it's just another album like yeah especially because um i mean they are easily his worst songs but he does voices on other records yeah he's like And he loves doing characters. And yes. He loves doing characters. And yeah. then there's none of that on this record called characters. Yeah. And I'm honestly I'm like I'm looking at the track list. I can't even remember what these songs sound like. I, I got can't so I, bored yeah. listening to this album. And then like suddenly this one song came on and I was like, this stood out. And it's the one that has BB King on it and Stevie Ray Vaughan. Yeah. And uh, come let me make your love come down. It's Which a, was a CD bonus track. Yeah. Oh, Ooh. CDs. See, now we know it's from his late era. <laughs> but it's it's like the kind of like schmaltzy blues that I hate. Like I, if I'm gonna get into blues or listen to blues, it's gotta be like dirty blues, like yeah. really 
just unrefined, and this is like hotel lobby blues. Yeah. So bad. So for me, personally, after talking about it a little bit, I would probably throw, because In, In Square Circle at least has Overjoyed, and Journey Through the Life of, Secret Life of Plants has some songs on it yeah. that are not terrible. I would say number 11 characters, number 12 in Circle Square, number 10 plants. Great. That's fine with me. Great. Yeah. Uh, we already have a number 12, though, I mean, so move yeah. all of those up one. Exactly. Yes. There we go. So, love it. Great. Perfect. Great discussion that we had. God, we can stop talking about these I, I'm so happy that we were all just like, yeah, these are terrible. Let's move on. <laughs> move on. Okay. So that's number 12, Woman of Red, number 11, characters number 10 in Circle Square, number 9, Journey Through the Secret Life of Plants. I never have to say it. Uh, and it's great. So now we got down the originals, 1970 through 1980. This is a fun hey. little time, and I'm too scared to make a choice myself. So, Nia, Aww. if you have to nominate <laughs> a number know. eight. Okay. Ba, 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 ba. Let me think. You're fine. Okay. So, I really like Hotter Than July. I know it's from mm-hmm. his later years, mm-hmm. kind of. But that, like, for me, I would not put that next... I feel like whatever I choose is going to be controversial. Okay. Um, Nothing wrong with that. I don't... What was the one where I was like, this one... Eh. Where I'm coming from, maybe? I think it's... I mean, that's... Yeah. I think that's what I want next. Yeah. I think it is where I'm coming from because, I mean, it has a couple of great songs and it has some good songs, but I, I didn't feel like as an album it was... I mean, we're getting into territory where it's like great albums. Mm-hmm. So... I want to talk to you <laughs> yeah. is also on here, which yeah. is like uh, speaking of characters in, in yeah. the nomination for like worst Stevie Wonder songs, at least with what we yeah. listened to this week. And I, yeah. but you said there were some great songs. Well, on if you there. really love me, is on here. I guess maybe that's the only great. <laughs> that's what I mean. Oh no no no! Never. I love Never Dreamed You'd Leave in Summer. Oh, oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. That was a revelation this week because I had never heard that song before. That is a beautiful he song. He sings the shit I out of that song. I have right now just talking about it. Like, yeah. that's honestly, like, the, the second half of that song is, like, one of the best Stevie Wonder vocal takes we've ever gotten. Yeah. And that's, I was reading that that's actually, like, one of his most covered songs. Really? Is, like, besides, like, the huge hits mm-hmm. that have been covered you know, 40 times. Right. Like, yeah. that's, as, as far as his album tracks, like, that, people go back to that one a lot just because it's so evocative. But yeah, that's kind of it that song, on this record. Let me say something about yeah, that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That song does something that, like, that is a songwriting trick that I love, which is that you save a line for the very end and you only say it once. Mm-hmm. And it, like, kicks you just, like, in the chest. You're like, Huh, on this song. And also, like, it's that held note that is, mm-hmm. it's like Lovely Day, The Withers, or something, where it's just like, it's how long can you hold this? Yeah. So powerful, so beautiful. So, yeah. I. So there are a couple great tracks, yeah. I think. And the biggest thing is, I feel like this was, and I genuinely feel like the more I sat with it, the more I feel like this was an important album for Stevie than it was for us. 
Uh, because this is an album that came out right around the same time, actually, I think the same year as uh, What's Going On by Marvin Gaye, another uh, socially minded, very political pop soul album, uh, also on Motown as well. Uh, but it's also, this is right after he renegotiated his contract, after he turned 21 and he didn't renew it, so he got all the money and other labels wanted him. And I can't he believe just, he was 21. Right, when he did <laughs> all of this, right. You know, and th so the thing is that, like, this is one he created basically by himself, entirely self produced, you know, like, he just went through just it. Just like him and Sarita, right? Basically, yeah. yeah. Like, she helped out with some lyrics, but it's mainly just him. And so it's one of the things where I feel like he wants to say something big. He wants to say something personal. And he, like, almost gets there on it. But, like, for me as the listener, I'm not, I don't have as many takeaways. Like, it opens with this weird fucking number called Look Around, which is, like, gritty and grimy, and it's just an odd... It's like, you know, dur, 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 dur. It's almost like oh, this horror movie like kind of... I thought it sounded like a Beatles song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like to Eleanor Rigby or something. I think that's that's another thing that happens a couple times on um, both this one and Music of My Mind, where I can really, I, I, you can really hear that it's the early '70s and the Beatles just put out their last record a year ago. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know that like that whole. Paul McCartney orchestral pop mm -hmm. is is here in full force. Um, but so minor key, though, that intro. Yeah. yeah. Yes, it is a very intense... It sounds like a closer. Mm -hmm. Yes, me. yes. And so, like, maybe he's deliberately, like, trying to put us off with this intro. Yeah. And I feel like, again, it's that step that he needed to take in order to, like, do things. Like, and we can all agree that I really want to talk to you is awkward and odd and ill-fitting to my ears but generally it's like it's still something he needed to do and he refined that in so many brilliant ways later on with multiple anti-nixon songs which is like you know props to you and uh, like i feel like he just was able to articulate better he needed to go through these throws he needed to i don't know how great the album is but it's mm -hmm. i appreciate it but Hotter Than July, I feel like, is almost his last gasp. I feel like that's, like, him as a songwriter, because after he did the magnum opus that his songs are the key of life, after he did the soundtrack to this plant documentary, he <laughs> wanted to go back to pop. And so Hotter Than July is interesting, because I wouldn't call it a great album, but there's some wonderful, wonderful songs on here. All I do, mm -hmm. straight, I could not believe that was not a single when I looked that up. Uh, oh. Because I was just like, it just, I feel like classic Stevie. It feels iconic. Well, yeah, yeah it, it feels iconic in, in the sense that like, the it almost seems like, mm -hmm. it almost seems like something Janet would have put out in like the late 90s, like Velvet mm. Rope. Yeah. Era. Like it oh. definitely feels like, like this is the sort of that sort of like gentle, you know, obviously he's always been really great at arranging vocal harmonies, yes. but that's, this is the sort of a, uh, a very soft transition to take that into a more 80s sound and it just works really well. I love this album. So this is another one I have on vinyl. So it does come up like more often than maybe mm -hmm. it would. Sure. <laughs> but talk about like intro tracks. I think Did I Hear You Say You Love Me is you put it on and you just like dance around the house. Yeah. It's so fun. It's got that little bit of that 80s sheen that ruins the rest of the albums, but not to the point where like I hate it. Like it just feels like he's coming to terms with this is what the era sounds like. So like yeah. this is one where like I enjoyed this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, he's still doing a kind of a weird voice on that I ain't gonna stand for it. <laughs> it's, he's, he's, he's going a little country almost. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I, yeah, he does. But I kind of love it anyway. So this is, my feelings about this album is that I feel like he does all this kind of goofy stuff 
and pulls it off. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. there's some silliness, but it's still fun. You're not yeah. starting to like get kind of itchy. Right, right. Like, like no, me- <laughs> like Master Blaster jamming. Uh, this kind of like light reggae number. Like it's one yeah. of the things where like it doesn't feel like it's a pose. It doesn't feel like he's imitating. It just feels like it comes from a very natural place. It comes like it yeah. feels like a very logical progression for where his sound is yeah. going. As much as I get an- annoyed when people who aren't reggae artists do reggae because mm-hmm. yeah. everyone did it from Ed like Sheeran. 1976 to 1985. Like if you had four albums, you had at least one reggae song. Yeah. But he totally pulls it off way more than most of the other artists. Like, remember when Led Zeppelin did theirs? Yes, I do. Yes, oh. I do. Your favorite um, song, do your maker. But this this album also has "Happy Birthday" on it, yes. which is so fun. It is fun. It's so fun. It's peak nineteen eighty. Yes. It's it's the one song on this album where I'm like. Ooh, you really leaning into those A synths, boy. Dang. Well, like, that's um, kind of what I'm talking about, where it's like, it's very silly. I mean, it's not a silly concept, mm-hmm. right? Because it's talking about making Martin Luther King Jr. Day a thing. Which, which did happen. happen. Yeah. yeah. But, like, it's goofy and it's fun and you just Happy embrace it. Happy birthday. Yeah. yeah, and like it kind of has that little off kilter like change in the melody right there in the chorus, which mm-hmm. is always just like, oh, you know, it kind of catches you every time a little bit. He does that a couple of times. Yeah, where he'll he'll do the same, he'll do the same, he'll repeat the same vocal melody as part of a single chorus, but he'll just change the rhythm. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, it's which a good trick. Yeah, yeah, very. It always it, it that's like the perfect pop trick to like it's what you're expecting but not quite. Mm-hmm. Well, I personally hear a lot of joy and excitement coming out of her voice as we, as we talk about this album. I'm kind of surprised, but it kind of makes sense. I think where I'm coming from is going to be our number eight. Does that yeah, sound about right? Definitely. Yeah. Okay, let's go ahead and lock that in. Okay. Bada bing, bada boom. Okay. Well, there's that. I I can't remember if. It was you who brought up Hotter Than July initially. No. Oh. I thought it was you who brought it up. Maybe it was you. Maybe it was was me, exactly. So it was going to be that, or at this point, honestly, for me, my other potential nomination would be Signed, Sealed, and Delivered. Because, like, of, like, the Motown-era albums, you know, like, this feels, this is just great. Like, it's solid, but it still feels like an amalgam of, like, lead single, a bunch of filler, a couple interesting experiments on there. But, like, mm-hmm. the thing is that we were listening because we weren't sure if we we're going to be doing the 12 or the 14 albums this week. So we also listened to My Shuri Amor and For Once in My Life. Uh, and, you know, I finally listened to uh, uh, Uptight, you know, which is another amazing Uptight. one. Right. right. Baby, and, 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 yeah, exactly. But, like, and the thing is, like, it, all these albums are the same package, basically. That, bo- that bomb-ass lead single that comes out there. Maybe a couple covers mixed in. And then... A couple other middling tracks. And I, I couldn't end. help but think about how, like, when we were doing the Michael Jackson episode, uh-huh. I listened to a couple of the Jackson 5 albums, and it's, like, th- exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it's really, like, you know, it's every Motown artist had the same format. A lead single, mm-hmm. a couple other songs that could be singles if the first one did well, and then a bunch of filler. Yeah. And, like, maybe a song from a musical that they yeah. bought the rights like to. Like The King and I. Yeah. Yes. But it was, like, a, it was a very different time for music. You know, mm-hmm. like they mm-hmm. were doing so many, so many covers, like almost like a country number of covers where, you know, like a lot of country artists, classic country artists, none of their songs are their own songs. They're just yeah. doing the country songs. Yeah. And with his stuff, this is kind of the first one that's most, at least as far as I know, not a lot of covers. You know, he does We Can Work It Out, which is terrible. 
But you really? Terrible? Really? I hate oh it. Oh my god. Oh, I hate I it. I loved it when I heard it. I gotta oh, be fully no. honest with I, you. I think he... I enjoy it, but it's just so unnecessary. We can't walk it out. I like that he changes the rhythm a little bit. Yeah. Like he he the keys, he, textures he on wonders it. it. Yeah. But it's still it doesn't hold a candle to the original. Right. So. Yeah. But it's but at the same time, it's not even trying to be the original. It's a sole remake of it though. So there's enough other things that are going on with it. It's a strong and confident vision and I embrace it wholly. Like it just kind of took me by surprise. I understand why it happened. Right. Right? And, like, in the context of the time and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But, like, I don't know. Maybe selfishly I'm, like... A Beatles traditionalist? Yes. But also I'm, like, Stevie, how dare you do a cover? You know? Like, I'd almost rather have it not, like, one less track on the album mm-hmm. and have it just be his song. Also, I feel like I need to say, Science Field Delivered is my favorite song. Ooh. Period. Which is your favorite song. Of not of Stevie Wonder. Correct. Of all time ever. So that has an effect on my Here's feelings the thing. about this Here's album. Here's the thing. You're not wrong. It's a great, it's, great it's song. It's a fucking yeah. amazing song. I mean, it's definitely in the running for my top Stevie Wonder songs as well. It's just, I mean, there's a reason it is one of the most iconic songs of all time. Talk right. about an intro. I mean, it's not the first song on the album, but just the intro to that song is so great. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, right, the moment the first, like, bong happens, you're like, yes, it's yeah. fucking Science Seal Delivered. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's just crazy to me that that was the first song he produced because it's like, that's how you know that this is a fucking bona fide musical savant. Yeah. The fact that, like, your favorite song of all time was his, like, first foray into yeah. production. Well, but to like, be fair, underage. he co- yeah. I mean, he, he sat in on the sessions, he has co-production credits on other other times, yeah. but this is the first thing he did it by himself solo, and it's weird, because on the album, he was still near the end of his Motown contract, so he's still under contract, so he's listed as the producer on this whole album. He produced that song, and, like, co-produced two others, but it's still a bunch of other producers, but it's still important that he got that designation of produced by Stevie Wonder on there. And yeah. even on this album... He has a couple songwriting things here and there. It's still a mix match of other just like in the stable Motown mm-hmm. tracks on there. Like he's got some other thong- other songs there. Like I gotta have a song that's a Stevie co write. I know? really like that one. <laughs> right, there's exactly. a lot it's of charming. joy on yes. this album. It's very different from like what I would say the best Stevie Wonder is, but it's very just like happy, you know. Mm-hmm. Like and you know, there's a lot of early albums that do have this kind of vibe that we're not going to talk about so much, but, like, things like, like, what was the one, Anything You Want Me To Do stood out to me as, mm-hmm. like, this song is just, like, pure joy, mm-hmm. which later on he has, like, more depth and more substance and, like, you appreciate his music for very different reasons. Yeah. But Science Seal Delivered is, like, the perfect example of kind of a vibe that he had at that time, which is a totally great, valid amazing vibe to have as a musician mm-hmm. well in terms of ranking it though if you had your personal druthers in the uh, what would you what throw would next? at number seven this so only... did we not we didn't put hotter than july we no. didn't choose a spot yet. no interesting okay you know what because and you know part of the reason why is because we we're talking about these albums i'm glad we're talking about these albums there might be a surprise on the list mm-hmm. maybe I think Taryn knows what I'm thinking about, too. I think I know what you're thinking about, but I wouldn't go there yet. You wouldn't go there yet? No. Okay. Because, I I mean, I enjoy Hotter Than July, but... More or less than these other albums? Yeah. Well, no, I 
I definitely think for me it's between Sound Still Delivered and Hotter Than July. Okay. We also talked about where I'm coming from. Oh, we did oh, yeah. rank that yeah, one. Yeah, we ranked okay. where I'm coming from. That's okay. an eight. Okay, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's tough for me between those two. Yeah. And you can love, the, and this, your love of the song is unabashed. That's an all-time classic. It's just yeah. the rest of the album that okay. it comes from. You know, exactly. Okay. So if we can't necessarily decide. Throw it out there. How do we feel about music of my mind? Really? Oh, I'm surprised. Surprised that you would even talk about that. No, I'm kind of with you. First of all, Music in My Mind doesn't have any hits, right? I love every little thing about you, kind of, but that was more of a And Superwoman was for... still kind of in a, you know, like a moderate R&B hit as well. So that's an interesting thing. <laughs> Not that that, like, makes or breaks an album. Right. But I would say, like, I could see, I could see it. I could see it. There, I, yeah, I just, like, I, I really like Love Having You Around. I really like Keep On Running. But these are, again, it's the sort of thing where, like, the grooves are, like, starting to form, but they're not nearly as complex and infectious as what you're getting to on the four albums coming up after this. And the best parts are the the complex vocal harmonies on the choruses like that's when when that's done right that's what i'm coming back to on this record Mm -hmm. but again that same thing is done better elsewhere so like really what it what's what's standing out about this album oh so goddamn much are you kidding yeah yeah because the thing is that when you break into uh love having you around this is like for in terms of we want to have our thesis of great intro songs leading you into the rest of the album these fucking gritty ass fucking keyboards like this low key like pulse that's going on there you just like it feels like this is the stevie that we've wanted it feels like where i'm coming from may have been his attempt to make that grand political statement this feels like oh you know what you're doing instead of keep going up and up and adding in new arrangements and vocals and things like that it's like let's bring it down let's go gritty let's push a little bit into the red in terms of the production a little bit that was like oh this is the gritty stevie that we wanted this is that gritty reboot here now the rest of the album i wouldn't call it my favorite album of all time by any means but damn when he hits that fucking groove it's so goddamn great girl blue kind of this nice little like mid-tempo like looping elongated the synth patterns on there is so great and of course keep on running is just like that might be in my top 10 like just in terms of like all time like just upbeat keep on running running you know like just like this upbeat melody yeah exactly I mean no I do I do like that one but it's not like Top ten. It's just like Maybe oh, it's just so solid. It's just like it just has the sense of joy and yeah, life to it. Yeah, but this also has sweet, sweet little, little girl. girl. On yeah, it. I know that. Come is on, baby. <laughs> Come on, baby. Yeah, that. He uh, just does that for like four minutes. Yeah, I I don't know. Like this one, like full disclosure, I did not spend a ton of time on it because it did not strike really you pull me in mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like I was like oh what's this one and it was I love every little thing about you and the reason it pulled me in was because I knew it but I knew Serena Wright's version of it mm-hmm. uh, and his version is is really good but I would say interesting this got brought up I, they're so different like it's kind of like Science Seal Delivered is like milk chocolate but like uh-huh. really good <laughs> milk chocolate uh-huh. and like music in my mind is like dark chocolate so like when you but like get kind of chalky dark chocolate right so you know? you're supposed to like dark chocolate when you're older and more like experienced and refined with yeah. your choices right but like sometimes you get really good milk chocolate does that make sense definitely it's the sugary pot versus something a little bit more 
tangible and you know what have you yeah so yeah i just i mean in terms of like albums are going to come back to there is an effervescent joy to science seal delivered on uh, music of my mind just it strikes me it does more things i think it's science seal delivered is a good fun album it's also an album that we've heard from stevie before several times before and from the motown tribute music of my mind at least feels like a statement it feels like something different it feels like we're being clued in on something new yeah but he makes he music of my mind is like a B minus statement, and then he like remakes that statement in the exact same year with Talking Book, that, and it's like an A plus. Mm. Yeah. Like it's just I kind of didn't realize those were the same year. It's That's the same so year. Crazy. Music yeah. of my mind was like early nineteen seventy two, and then Talking Book came out like eight months later. What a time. Just insane. Because that's what everyone was doing in the early 70s. They were just cranking that shit out. Well, I mean, they had the Motown precedent set. Mm -hmm. Where it was like, you're recording so many covers. I mean, the Jackson 5 talk about how for their second album, they recorded like 200 songs. And they picked nine of them. Like what? Because that's the Motown machine. Is they just like, and then you you you'll read about like some of the tracks on Sign Sealed Delivered if they have their own Wikipedia page. I use Wikipedia. Bite me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But like they'll talk about like this song, or I think it was um, one of the songs on Sign Sealed Delivered. I was reading about how like literally there are eight other Motown artists that have put out a version of that song. So it's like... That was happening, like, nonstop. They all did the same song. Right. So, like, as much as fun as Sign Sealed Delivered is, now that we're talking about it more... Oh, man. It's so hard. It's so hard. It's intense. It's hotter than July still in the running also? Yeah. I think, think, honestly, if we're doing, like... Just emotionally, how I feel about this album's, I would put Hotter Than July next, then Music of My Mind, and then Signs of Delivered. Ooh! I could get behind that. I love Hotter Than July. I know, but is it... You can still love it, but is it better than these other two? Yes. I... Yes. Yes? I think it's better than Music of My Mind. Okay. I'm just... Throwing so that we're, out there. We are, we are all, like, fully in disagreement. About all right, here, let's next. just go ahead, because what? we're... Go ahead. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, should I just choose something completely different? But... Songs of the Game Boy! What a ridiculous thing to say. Um, I mean, I don't know. I love Potter than July very much. I, but maybe it's just because I know it the best. Because familiarity is important. Absolutely. Like, as I, as we, we say sometimes on the podcast, like, take off your nostalgia goggles and just look at, like, songwriting. But what about, like, danceability? I mean, shit, that yeah, matters too, for exactly. sure. Oh, and also, More Haunted than July does have Lately. That's, like, one of probably the last good ballad <laughs> The, the last did. good ballad. Yeah, yeah, I would say. I'm totally blanking on which one that is. That's the piano one, the kind of the oh yeah, the, that the Carol King one. style like. That's like one of the best. I didn't realize that that was what it was called. Weirdly, yeah. I love that song because he does. Do, do, do. What he he has this trick, do, another do, trick do. that he does sometimes. That's like one of my very favorite tricks when pulled off well, which is the octave jump. Yeah. And that song, holy shit, when he does the end. Oh my God, it's one of the, it's one of the best. I would say it's one of the best Stevie Wonder moments. 
Okay. Dang. Well, that being said, I think we can talk a little bit. I'm still fighting for my boy music of my mind. Is I anyone fighting for Signs No Deliver? Are That's you? the question. Because, like, I'm... Sugar is a good song. I like that. But, yeah. like, we all have the title track in our head. That's the name of the album. And yeah. it colors so much of what we think. Yeah. How is the rest of the album? There, I mean, the rest of the album is solid. It's, it's fun. It's, it's like, like Nia said. There's just, I mean... Uh, one of my favorites is actually Joy Takes Over Me. There's mm-hmm. so much joy on this record. And as far as things that I'm going to come back to and enjoy listening to again in the future, that's probably... Uh, it, Science Still Delivered, I'm more likely to put on than these other two that we're talking about. But... <laughs> I can also hear what you guys are saying. It's not as artistically important at all. What if I throw this insane thing out there? Okay. What if fulfilling this is nice? All right, so let's go ahead. Let's throw music of my mind at number seven. Let's go ahead and do that. Let's go oh. ahead and throw Sign Sealed. Yeah, I'm fine with at that. At six. Let's throw... Hotter than July, July. At five. That I, feels so weird to me. Are you but just doing that because I'm a guest? No, sometimes no. we just have to like just rank just them and move on. And I'm gonna oh. extract my sweet, sweet revenge when we do part two. Because guess what? We are 52 minutes in it right now. There is so much more. And the thing is that although we only have four albums left, we have four. So much to talk about. Left. So let us go ahead and recap for all of you people who've been keeping track of this at home. <laughs> it was The Woman in Red at number 12. It is Characters at number 11. It is In Circle Square at number 10. It is The Secret Life of Plants at number 9. It is Where I'm Coming From at number 8. It is Music on My Mind at number 7. It is Signed, Sealed, and Delivered at number 6. It is Hotter Than July at number five and number four. We're going to announce when we do our part two episode right after this. So in the meantime, though, Nia. What? Thank you so much for being here thank for you. this part one. We appreciate it. So fun. Exactly. And I am excited to see what happens in part I'm two. I'm fascinated. In this moment, we don't know. So listeners, do us a favor. Before you listen to it, give us your thoughts by throwing us a review on iTunes. The more reviews there are, the more people see the podcast. This ranking is wrong. Exactly. <laughs> Go ahead. Let us know what you think on Facebook. Find us on Twitter. If you have something that, if you agree with Taryn, send us an email at thechartographers at gmail.com and we will get back to you. Taryn will personally reply to you and be like, <laughs> what he's going to say. Uh, in the meantime, though, keep on listening because you know that we'll be. Have a good one. Have a good one. If you like this podcast, you should also check out I'd See That. What do we talk about, Jeff? Movies. Movies? What else? Tangents? We don't talk about tangents. We go on tangents. Pretty sure we talk about tangents, too. Okay, fine. You can check us out on Stitcher, iTunes, and SoundCloud. I'd See That. Also, find us on Twitter and Facebook. Boom. Boom.